Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 383 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, my good man, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing great, my man. How are you? How are you feeling? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. That's the truth. Let's dive straight into the review part. We're going to start here with this one that took place at the Wembley Arena in London. Um, I think this this week's podcast is probably going to be quite quick. I'm going to try to really whiz through this. Um, let's start with the undercard, I think. Um, hmm. Let's start with this one. Vidal Riley, now 8-0, a TKO for him in round four against the very confident Anise Taj, who... Uh, is now 7-3. and three. Taj was cut quite bad, actually, um, over his left eye by a punch, I think, in round 2 or 3. In the end, the doctor ended up stopping it. Um, apparently, Anis Taj was supposed to be very chinny, and I think he'd maybe been down maybe once in each of his previous two fights, but he hadn't been stopped. Um, so I heard he had a real bad chin, he's going to get knocked out within a couple of rounds, stuff like that. Um, obviously it was a cut that, that secured the early stoppage in, in round four, and Vidal Riley caught him on the chin with some absolute peaches, and he didn't go anywhere, so actually I want to say he's got quite a good chin. Um, again, it was, like I say, a little bit of a waste of time fight, you know, Vidal Riley is apparently tipped for big things, but likes to continue to fight these, you know these um these kind of unknown guys really and you know most people wouldn't have heard of Anis Taj before let alone seen him fight and it was just one of those fights what's really the point of this fight but there was some talk you know some some hype I guess around it a little bit of trash talk from both guys and it made for quite an exciting fight I've got to be honest and Taj to his credit did give it a good go put it on Riley a few times looked a little bit heavy-handed himself but Riley you know too classy too good for him and landed some great shots like I say but Taj took them well um elsewhere where on the card, Caroline Dubois moved to 6-0, and a TKO for her in round three against Farish Mashouri, who's now 10-8. and um, That was just unbelievable. I was watching that fight. Mashouri just pretty much, you know, sat on the ropes while Dubois just unloaded and tried to land as many clean shots as she could to try and force a stoppage from the referee. Dubois did really want to make a statement and get her out within two rounds. She ended up going into round three. She was quite... Um, disappointed with herself really for not getting her out in two rounds she wanted to do what Chantel Cameron did she wanted to do what uh, Terry Harper did but yeah she managed to get her out but it was in in round three whereas those two ladies got her out in round two um, but no nonetheless an, another you know good looking fight there for Dubois who continues to progress um, 
yeah, I mean, she had her opponent down in, in round two, I believe, but managed to get her out in round three, a TKO. And like I say, it was just a one-sided fight. I don't think Mashuri landed a punch the entire three rounds. So, um, yeah, dominant display from Dubois. Um, elsewhere on the card, Stephen McKenna picked up a TKO win. He's now 13-0, a fifth-round TKO against Brendan Deans, who's now 9-3. Deans was down in round four. Um, Tyler Denny with a win, a really good win, actually. Now 16-2 with three draws. He looked really, really good in doing so as well. It was a defense of his English middleweight title against the undefeated Brad Pauls, who suffers his first loss here now, 16-1. and Um... It was pretty much a shutout, to be honest with you, for for Tyler Denny. Um, I think the obvious pick was Tyler Denny to win on points. That's what I thought would happen, and that is what happened. But for him to dominate in the way that he did was quite surprising. And I still continue to watch him almost every fight he has now and wonder why he's never managed to get himself a stoppage. Because he's he's like a dogfighter, really. You know, it's grueling. He kind of drags you into a battle, or at least he has done with his past couple of opponents he took a few guys o's in a row now and um i i just think he's you know more than deserving now of a british title fight and um yeah i mean credit to him you know he's he's um had to do it the hard way really and um you know hasn't been picked up by a big promoter or anything like that and his skills have paid the bills for him pretty much throughout his whole career but i believe now that um he can hopefully push on from this because i think he showed you know quite clearly that he's head and shoulders above some of the guys they've been throwing at him recently like i say taking guys undefeated records now on the bounce and i think um yeah, he, he's a really good fighter, and I think he's above this level, clearly. Um, all the best to him moving forward. Um, elsewhere on the card, Zach Chelly with an upset win, really, in terms of what the bookies price the fight up at. He's now 13-1 with a draw. A unanimous decision there over 10 rounds against Anthony Sims Jr. of the US, now 23-2. It was for the vacant WBA Continental Super Middleweight title. Another really, really, really good fight, but another fight which Zach Chelly surprisingly dominated um he started the fight really well Zach Chelly I managed to put a little sneaky bet on during the fight that was two to one for Chelly to win I couldn't believe the price as soon as I placed the bet it had gone down to evens um yeah Zach Chelly is um you know a fighter that I felt was overlooked when I when I first looked at the odds and what people were thinking about the fight. I thought there was chance he could get a knockout win, and that was nine to one, by the way. And I tell you what, if Anthony Sims Jr. didn't have the chin that we all found out on on Saturday night that he had, I think he would have got a stoppage, Zach Chelly, because he hit Anthony Sims Jr. with some absolute bombs, man, really good shots. And we found out that Anthony Sims Jr. has actually got a fantastic chin. Um, yeah, it was a great fight for 10 rounds, and again, Zach Chelly, I feel like, deserves a nice big fight after this, because Anthony Sims was a bit of a, uh, you know, a fighter that had a lot of hype around him at one point when he signed with, I think he signed with Matram, Zone, and, you know, I think he's a relation of Floyd Mayweather or something like that. There was a lot of hype when he was undefeated, but then, like I say, lost his O, I, I believe, to a guy called Angulo. I said that on last week's show. I didn't bother to check from last week's show to now, but I believe he lost his O to a guy called Angulo something, and, um, yeah, I thought, no, Zach Chelly's a very, very live dog in this fight, and he certainly was. I mean, he showed up and um, and got the win, and very, very dominant in the end. 
Um, but no, it was a great, great fight. Really, really good win there for Zach Chelly. And also on the card as well, Adam Azim, now 8-0. A unanimous decision for him over 10 rounds against Santos Reyes, who's now 12-1. He lost his O. Um, it was for the WBA Continental Super Lightweight title. I believe Reyes was from Nicaragua. Um, by the way, the title, I think, was vacant going in. But yeah, Reyes down in the second round, but managed to get back up and grit it out, really, over 10 rounds. And um, he had moments in the fight as well, to be honest with you. But Adam Azim, a lot of people, you know, quick to criticize because he went the distance in a fight where everyone thought he'd blow the guy away. I wasn't sure that he would blow the guy away because I see a guy from that part of the world with, uh, you know, with, with, with an undefeated record and no one really knows how good the guy is. And you can never, ever underestimate these guys, you know, because you'll pay the price if you do. And maybe even Azim himself actually over or underestimated um, his opponent here because, yeah, there were moments in the fight where he looked a little bit average, but I just think we saw... 10 rounds and the the most impressive thing for me about Azim is that for me I didn't see him slow down at all I think we've had a really important question answered there on Saturday night and that is that this man has a really 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 good gas tank and um, I do just want to say as well maybe it's an old thing now that isn't in existence anymore but people used to question McGuigan fighters having gas tanks and I think people you know would would say that George Groves would fade late and Carl Frampton would fade late and guys like that I think Josh not not Josh Taylor as such but um who else can I think of that I think maybe fades late a bit maybe Chris Billum Smith I feel like a lot of people in the past have said that Shane McGuigan fighters seem to not not really have tons of stamina. They seem to really slow down late on in fights, but he did not. And like I say, I think he's answered a lot of questions. That's a really important one there. You you need stamina for these for these you know tough tricky fights that you're going to encounter, no doubt, especially at the higher levels of the sport. And I think that Azim as well showed us a hell of a lot more than than. Um, than just his engine, but also, you know, everything, all the moves, the tricks, you know, the reflexes he's got are fantastic, the punch selection, we saw a lot, I think a lot of people were very, very disappointed, just simply because he didn't get a knockout when he was expected to, um, that's really it, I think other than that, he answered a lot of questions, and I'm impressed, I actually was impressed, I don't have much, um, much to say about, uh, you know, in terms of disrespect or hate for the guy, I think he did well, I was quite impressed, um, on to the next one for him. I guess, you know, you drop a guy in round two, you, you probably do want to get him out. He shouldn't really be getting up and doing eight rounds with a guy that's tipped to be a superstar. But for me, I don't I don't think it's all about the knockouts. You know, it's just about getting the win. And he did so in dominating fashion. So not going to go in on him too much at all. Um, moving out now to the Derby Room Pomona at the Fairplex in Pomona, California, USA. Over here we had Fernando Vargas, the son of... Um, of Fernando Vargas, Fernando Vargas Jr. here, of course, eight and zero now with eight KOs, a knockout for him in round two against Geronimo Sacco, who's now nine, um, sorry, ten and seven with a draw. Also on the card, friend of the show, former WBC light heavyweight world champion. It went very much under the radar, but the return to the ring of Alexander Gvozdik, now 18-1, and one, a unanimous decision for him over six rounds against Josu Obando, who I think, really and truly, Gvozdik 
should have stopped him when you look at the two on paper. But I didn't see the fight. I don't know what happened. I don't know how good he looked. I know he pitched a shutout over six rounds, but obviously didn't get the stoppage. But anyway, nonetheless, great to see Gavosdik back. Um, a fighter who had a hell of a lot to offer, but disappeared for a few years, and I'm not quite sure I remember why. Um... Moving out now to the final card to mention of the review part of the show. This one took place at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, USA. It was live on Showtime. Let's start with the undercard. We had friend of the show. He was on, I think, not last week. I think it was the week before, if I'm not mistaken. Mario Barrios, now 27-2. A TKO win for him in round eight against Giovanni Santiago, now 14-3 with a draw. I thought it was going to go the distance, to be honest with you, but... Um, yeah, I mean, a late stoppage as well, you know, seemed seemed a good pick. But, um, yeah, great for Mario Barrios. Really happy for him to return to winning ways after two back-to-back defeats against Broner and then Keith Thurman. You know, the kids, of course, got a lot of heart, a lot of balls, and um, stepped up, obviously, to one four seven for that Thurman fight. And it was just a crazy move now, in hindsight, to fly straight up to one four seven, get in with Keith Thurman, unknowing to what Furman had left and I guess Furman had more left than a lot of people felt and I think he still does have something to offer the division Keith Furman but that's an unpopular opinion and it's a bit irrelevant to Mario Barrios's story at the moment so what I will say is great stuff for him um, Giovanni Santiago usually a really tough guy obviously he'd only been stopped by one of the Gary Russell brothers went the distance with Broner so I like that comparison there as well that Barrios got him out of there and Broner didn't um So, yeah, great stuff for Barrios there for the WBC Continental America's welterweight title. He's well-ranked with the WBC still, Mario Barrios, the only organization to give him a world ranking at welterweight. So I can see him pushing down that route, really. Um, It makes sense for him to go down that route, I think. And, yeah, the... The, you know, the sky's the limit really from here. Obviously, he's lost his own now, so he doesn't have much to lose in terms of, you know, having to protect Giro and move super, super smartly. But, um, yeah, there's great fights that can be made for him at welterweight. And I think, you know, I'm a believer of him and I always have been. So hopefully some great fights down the line for him. All the best to him, though, but very pleased that he's back to winning ways. Really nice guy. And the main event, Ray Vargas loses his O. He's now 36-1. and An upset win on the cards there for Oshiki Foster, now the new WBC Super Featherweight World Champion. Oshiki Foster now 20-2. and A dominant performance as well from Foster, who... Um to win on points was about three to one, and then it went to about two to one. And he himself, just to win the fight, was two to one. Then he went down to evens. So there was a hell of a lot of money coming in for Foster with the bookies, man. And I, you know, I, I'd heard about Foster for years, like I said on last week's show. I wasn't entirely sure that I um, was full of confidence about him winning, but I did put a little little sneaky bet on. Um, obviously, came through with the points win. I was pleased about that, but. Yeah, I didn't see much of the fight, to be honest with you. I fell asleep, um, had it on the iPad, and um, watched a couple of the opening rounds. Uh, I didn't think they were too eventful, and then all of a sudden I woke up at, I think it was about 8am, <laughs> the, la- uh, the the iPad was on the floor face down next to the bed, and um, I was like, whoa, what happened there? So uh, I didn't see the end of the fight, I obviously had to Google what had happened, and Oshiki Foster to get a win, please for him, like I say, reached out to him in the build-up to this fight to try and get him on, um, he had a busy schedule, um, I'm going to reach out again to hopefully get him on in the coming weeks, but, um, 
I'm sure the media requests will be flying in for him now. Obviously, um, a world champion uh, from from that area of of America. I'm sure they're going to hold him. Um, you know, hold him high. Um, and yeah, you know, good for him. Good for him because he's another guy who I think has had to bide his time had to have patience and hasn't had it easy at all on the come up Oshaki Foster obviously with Probellum so he's I think he's got to be like their first world champion or something like in terms of um, I think they picked up Paul Butler after he won a world title I believe but anyway he's one of the few world champions they've got he's, he might even be the only one they've got off the top of my head I can't remember who's in the stable and who's not but yeah um Good stuff for Oshaki Foster, commiserations for Ray Vargas, and good stuff for Archie Sharp as well, who perhaps might um, find it easy to get a fight with Oshaki Foster, you know, providing they're both with Probellum, which I believe they both are. But anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. Just before we welcome our special guest on this week's podcast, it's now time to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped are a leading brand in below-the-waist grooming, and they offer a range of products to take your below the waist hygiene to another level i'm telling you guys i didn't even know this was a thing until i come across manscaped and it's honestly a huge game changer and i've never looked back since i discovered them and i I do just want to spend a moment or two just telling you all about manscaped's um, performance package 4.0 which is available on their website www.manscaped.com now the performance package 4.0 includes a range of products Starting with the the, the Lawnmower 4.0, which is a very fancy trimmer. The reason I'm saying it's fancy is because it's got skin-safe ceramic blades. This significantly decreases the chance of any kind of accident down there. It has a built-in LED light, so you can see exactly what you're trimming. It's quiet. It charges wirelessly, has a long battery life. And my favorite feature is that it's waterproof. So this means you can literally take it into the shower with you, no problem whatsoever. This kit also includes the weed whacker which is an ear and nose hair trimmer again this product features the skin safe technology that the lawnmower has as well again it's waterproof again this actually has a 360 degree rotary dual blade system built in also inside the box you'll get a bottle of crop preserver which is an anti-chafing clear and quick drying ball deodorant Yes, you heard me right. Ball deodorant. It's the new thing and it's not going nowhere. It's not a flash in the pan. This is something I believe that's going to be the future. And the fragrance as well is out of this world. All Manscaped formulations smell the same. Their scent is unique and I seriously, seriously cannot compliment it enough. Also in this box, you'll receive the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on ball toner and refresher. Again, that smells insanely good. And you just give your balls a spray or to just to spritz them up basically it's just the cherry on top of the cake if i may say so you'll also receive disposable shaving mats which are made from recycled paper you just put these down on the floor and stand over them when you're shaving so they easily catch all the trimmings and you can dispose of them without making a mess it's really simple that's not all though this package also comes with two free gifts you'll receive a pair of anti-chafing manscaped boxers really comfy and lastly you'll receive 
um, a manscaped travel bag which is a very high quality very sturdy and perfectly sized bag that you can carry your manscaped products inside so let me let me just remind you of, of what the performance package 4.0 includes just one more time that's the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer the amazing smelling ball deodorant the amazing smelling spray on ball toner the disposable shaving mats a pair of manscaped anti-chafing boxes and a manscaped travel bag at this time of recording the podcast the manscaped performance package 4.0 is already on sale at around 40 percent off the original price but if you head on to www.manscaped.com and enter box hard all one word, B-O-X-H-A-R-D, at the checkout, you'll receive an extra 20% off of the sale price, along with free shipping. Honestly, you'd be crazy to miss out on this insane offer. These Manscaped products also come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. These products have all been trialed by myself and Eddie, and honestly, we cannot recommend them highly enough. This stuff is a must-have. I really mean that. Valentine's Day, of course, has just gone, and sadly, Valentine's Day is just one day out of a whole year. But with this kit, you can make it Valentine's Day every day. Remember to visit manscaped.com and use the discount code BOXHARD for 20% off plus free shipping. But that's about everything for part one. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated number one ranked super featherweight in the world. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks for having me on, mate. I hope you're well. Always good when speaking with you, Arch. So, first things first, we last spoke in November. At the time, we were we were looking ahead to your fight against Liam Wilson in, in Las Vegas. Obviously, the fight never took place because Wilson instead took Oscar Valdez's place, went straight in with Navarrete for the title. Can't really blame Wilson, but um, frustrating for you, Arch, of course. Yeah, 100% frustrating for myself. Um, can't blame Wilson, like you say. Uh, anyone's going to take the opportunity, so don't blame him. Uh, it's, it's not the fighters, you know. It's not the fighters that are stopping these fights. It's the promotion and all the all the politics that go with it. So, that fair. They also get credit to him. A great fight and done well. But it was up against him anyway from the from the get go, because everybody knows they've been trying to make Navarrete and um, Valdez since they won. Yeah, and I was going to ask as well, Arch, what did you make of the fight? I don't think anyone really expected Wilson to drop Navarrete, but in the end, obviously, Navarrete come back and got the job done by stoppage. But the thing is, see, for me, there wasn't there wasn't nothing there that was unusual, to be honest with you, because both... This is why I believe Navarrete picked Wilson over myself, because they wanted the easier fight, whereas when I mean the easier fight... They just walked forward and punched. I mean, they just they kind of met in the middle of the ring. There weren't going to be no showcasing of of pure skill. It was kind of you hit me, I hit you. Who's tougher and who's not? And that's the difference. Wilson hasn't exactly got fast feet, um, nor has Navarrete. So they've kind of met in the middle. They punched punched each other up, and 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 that's where it's kind of gone. It wasn't. It wasn't no. I wasn't expecting any different sort of outcome. Fair play, he hit Navarrete and went, Navarrete went over. It was interesting to see Navarrete come up the super featherweight, considering he's been a full set at the lighter weights and um, that he done well, he got the job done. And I thought it was a great fight, to be fair. I thought as a fan, as a boxing fan, sitting back and watching, I think it was a good fight. 
And something else that's happened since we last spoke on here is that you made a surprising decision to leave the iBox gym where things look to be going really well. You're now training under Roy Jones Jr., who of course will be co-training you alongside your former trainer, the man who taught you since you were a young kid, Richie Sawyer. How did that come about with Roy Jones, Arch? Yeah, so um, Roy is a friend of a friend. And that's kind of it, really. He was a friend of a friend. He was overtraining. Uh, he was over for the Eubank fight. And to be honest with you, at the Ibox, I I learned a lot of the Ibox. So I had a really good team down there. It was it was really, it went really really well, um, and I was enjoying it. But for me, I just kind of me and Richard have been with each other with such young kids. Uh, well, since I was a young kid, he's took me. He's, he's trained me since since the age of seven, and I just felt like there was unfinished business there. And um, I've been away from him for a couple of years. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot as a person and as a fighter. And then having Roy Jones there as well, I kind of, yeah, I've just patterned it all together. And thankfully now I'm in a great position. I've gone back to my old trainer who's co-training with uh, Roy Jones Jr. So Roy Jones is our head coach. And, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. I've learned a lot in the short space of time we've been working together. If I can take 10% of what that man's done, you know what I mean? It's just, the man was a credit to the sport and uh, he's a living legend. Yeah, no, he definitely is. And obviously you invited me down to the gym um, a few weeks ago and um, just me being there for that for that couple of hours I was there, you know, I saw him, you know, pointing things out to you, which I thought was just so invaluable. You know, he, he really does have a fantastic boxing brain. Um, I want to ask as well, you're still cool with all the guys at the iBox, I'm guessing, Arch? Yeah, 100% it still cool. I see all the boys at the weekend. Jordan Reynolds boxed on the, on the boxer show. Um, on the undercard of Azim. So, yeah, I still see all the lads as they're out again this weekend. They've got Henry Turner out. Um, so, yeah, the our box is definitely busy and I'm still in contact with everyone. And I know that, as we said, Roy's the the, the head coach. Um, some people will wonder why you're back with a trainer, though, in, in Richie that you previously left. Obviously, we see this happen in boxing sometimes. Kel Brook ended up getting back with Dominic Ingle. Uh, Liam Williams ended up going back to Wales, getting back with Gary Lockett. But it seems to be a trend in fighters that are coming to the end of their career, which is obviously the opposite to you. You're still on the come up. You're still undefeated. To go back to a trainer that you'd previously left without taking a loss under the new trainer is kind of unusual. Yeah, the, the beef, I left Richard on, it, it, we was going through COVID. I didn't have the fights that I wanted. Um, well, I had a close, uh, the close fight with, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, the all called the box there. That's what I mean. I can't remember. Jeff Ofori. I had a close fight with Jeff Ofori. And then that was when I made the decision to leave Sawyer. But um, like I say, we just need this space. I need to go away. Um, I need, I, I like to in two years, I've grown as a person. I've looked at things. I've had, obviously, inactivity in, in the last couple of years. So it's, as a character, it's been a lot of character building over the last couple of years. So I've learned a lot there. And having Richard, we, me and Richard were learning on the job. So it was interesting for me to see what people, other people do. Al Smith's been a professional trainer for years. He's a very great trainer. Um, he's been around some, some great fighters as well. So therefore, that's why I kind of took that leap to go there to see his experience and see what he does in, in the gym. And um, I picked up a lot and learned a lot. And, and in that space as well, Richard's gone and built himself a little. He's got Casey Kadimi, who's fighting soon for a British and uh, Commonwealth, I believe, um, on the 3rd of March. So he's kind of gone and done his own thing. 
and now we, we've reunited and, and also we're learning under Roy Jones we've got Roy Jones as the main man who's, who's, who's guiding us so yeah it's kind of worked well we've got a great relationship with Richard even though I left Richard I still was on the phone to him every single day when I was at the Airbox as a friend so now I'm excited I'm excited oh, excellent man and looking forward do you have a date you can tell us about just yet or nothing at the minute um, yeah, so we're looking at April the 14th in London. Um, opponents still to be confirmed, but we're looking at all sorts of opponents. We've got Albert um, who's highly ranked in the WBO and the WBC. So there's a number of fights that we're looking at. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited to be back. And I'm hoping now that we can really kick on this year. Like I said, I've been inactive for a couple of years but with injuries and other politics stuff, but we're getting through that now and looking forward to a big 2023. And you, you cut out for a second there, but I'm sure I heard you say Albert Bell. I know that you obviously had a back and forth with him on Twitter. Um, it was quite, it was quite you know, cordial, quite respectful. But yeah, he's a guy that no one really seems to be mentioning his name. You know, he's another danger man. No one really wants any part of him. Um, why Albert Bell, Arch, of all the people that you could have chose from? No, oh, Albert Bell. Everybody knows that I want the biggest fights and the best fights. You see things on Twitter and social media. I won't go into names and people, but they all mention the name. They mention my name and fights and whatever else. But when it comes to nitty-gritty stuff, when it means contracts and actually getting fights over the line, it don't happen. But so, where Albert Bell, he's a man of his word. He said he wanted about mentioning about the fights. No problem. My team, your team, we speak, we make the fight happen. No problem at all. And like you say, he's a, he's a, an avoided fighter anyway because I believe he's 22 and 0. Same as myself, so we've both got the same record. Um, and I've been screaming for ages. I want the big fights and the big names. I don't fear no one. I was screaming Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, uh, Navarrete, Wilson, all these fights. So they don't happen because of me. Like I'm trying to get them over the line, do you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, Albert Bell is a great contender there. He's highly ranked in the WBC and he's highly ranked in the WBO. I think that's a great, great fight. Um and I think it'll get the fans going. Once they understand who Albert Bell is, he had, like you say, he hasn't probably got a big name over here in the UK, but it'll be, it will build to be a great fight. And obviously you mentioned there, April the 14th is looking like that'll be the date you return on. It's your birthday as well. Is that is that a yeah. good or bad thing, Arch? <laughs> uh, that's good, because at 28, uh, I'm still young in the sport, still got plenty of years left, and no, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Really good birthday celebrations. And, of course, on the weekend just gone, we saw Oshaki Foster pick up a world title, defeating Ray Vargas, taking his O. Um, he was an underdog, Foster. But, yeah, is that is that good for you, Arch? Is that a fight that you can see being made, obviously, WBC title? Well, I definitely would think so. Um, obviously, Foster and myself was under the same banner, um, same team, same everything. So, look, I don't know what the crack is or everything at the minute, but we can see see where things lead to. He's, he's ranked number um, – well, he's, he's a WBC champion of the world now. So, if I'm highly, if I end up being highly ranked in the BC, there's a, definitely a fight that makes sense there. I'm sure we can get that one over the line, no problem at all. Same again, Foster's a man of his word. Um, he ain't one to just talk and, and call people out about going, getting it over the line. So, therefore, there's a fight that could be possibly made there. You see all these other people like the Shakur, the Valdez's, is um, it was WBO. Let's just say the WBO and top rank Bob Arum, yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of things to say, but I'll be very tame and keep it PG. But I'm just saying they don't want none of their fighters to come and face me, and that's the bottom line of it. So 
look, we'll see if we've got other routes. Foster could be possibly a, a fight there, 100%. Absolutely. And just finally, Arch, before we let you go, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, um, I think you've probably come on our show more times than any other guest, actually. So you're like furniture now. But closing words for you before we let you go, man. Yeah, like I say, everybody knows, and I think I said it last time we spoke. It's been a very frustrating couple of years for myself, and I and I and I and do you know what? I'm sick of saying it, but once the ball the ball is rolling now, the ball is rolling, things are over the line, um, and it's and it's very exciting. Like I've I've been patient, I've trust the process, um, and I'm looking forward to. And look, Roy Jones Jr. is now my head coach, and the things that I'm learning off of Roy. It, Money can't buy that. Do you know what I mean? It is. It is. I'm lost for words to even explain how how crucial this is, um, and and what what you're going to see the new Archie Sharp when I'm back in the ring, because what I'm learning at the minute, I'm very very excited to display on fight night. Absolutely, we cannot wait. A new Archie Sharp. It's, it sounds scary to me. I can only imagine. But listen, Archie, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. We'll look forward to an opponent announcement, and we'll speak again soon. God bless. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start with this one here. Emmanuel Navarrete has vacated his WBO featherweight world title. He intends to stay at 130. So, yeah, he's, he's vacated his featherweight title, obviously moved up to 130 for this fight against Liam Wilson, beat Liam Wilson, become champion. He's going to stay there. So he's vacated the title down at 126. Um, in other news, in other news, Edgar Belanger has signed a multi-fight deal with Matram. I don't think that's really um, any surprise. I think we saw that one coming. There were a lot of complimentary tweets towards Eddie Hearn out of nowhere, and we all kind of knew what was going to go on there. In other news, um, Shavkat Zon Rakamov will be defending his IBF Super Featherweight World title against former champion Joe Cordina. That's going to be going down in Cardiff on April the 22nd, live on the zone. Um, really, really happy for Joe Cordina because obviously we know, it's, it's a long story now, but he got stripped and I don't think it was a fair reason to strip him, whatever. Um, you know, didn't lose the belt in the ring at all. So he gets the first crack really at Rakamov after Zelfa Barrett you know, couldn't um, couldn't beat Rakamov. So, yeah, he gets in there for a chance at his old IBF title. Again, the date for that, April 22nd, back at home as well for Joe Cordina. So that's great for him. Um, on the undercard, we will see the rematch between Gavin Gwynn and, and uh, Craig Woodruff, who I think fought to a draw last time they faced each other. We're going to see Jordan Thompson as well get in with friend of the show Luke Watkins, which will be an interesting fight there at Cruiserweight. Quite a decent little card from the little bits that have been announced about it. And then finally, in other news, we will see on April the 8th, uh, Kenshiro Taraji getting in with Jonathan Gonzalez. That's going to take place at light flyweight there. Um, yeah, I, I believe that's about it. That's a top-ranked show there in Tokyo, Japan, at the Ariaki Arena. That's about it, though, for the news. Moving on to the preview part of the show. This one takes place tomorrow, live on BT Sport, I believe, um, at York Hall, Bethnal Green, London over here. Two fights really to mention the uh, the main fights. Mark Chamberlain, 11-0, gets in with Viro Lenti, who's 10-4 with a draw. That is over 10 rounds there for the IBF European lightweight title. David Adelaide, the heavyweight, 10-0 with 9 KOs, gets in with Dimitro Bezus, who's also 10-0. Both guys 10-0, somebody's own must go. It's for the vacant WBO European heavyweight title. Um... 
it's another weird one because I don't know much about his opponent here at all. So you'd expect maybe David Adelaide to just knock out whoever he's going to face at this point in his career. He's only gone the distance with one guy and that guy was the very, very teak tough Camille Sokolowski. So you'd expect him to knock this guy out, but it's another unknown quantity that we just don't know anything about. 10-0, 5 KOs, hasn't really fought anyone that you can... Uh, this is funny, Eddie, actually. I was going to say, haven't really, hasn't really fought anyone that you can kind of learn something about him from, because most of the guys I haven't heard of. But one guy this guy has fought, I have heard of. He was able to knock out a man in round two in February of last year by the name of Marcelo Nascimento, who I know still gives you nightmares. Is that right, Joe? Yeah. He really knocked out Nascimento? You know what's funny, though? And, I mean, I'm not trying to give myself any excuses but he is like about seven years older now <laughs> not only that um he was really just looking to survive in a fight with me but i mean at the end of the day no matter what it is whether he's looking to survive just whatever i'm pretty sure he was trying to do the same thing in this fight uh no excuse i should have been better i didn't perform well and you know that because guess what joe you were there <laughs> you actually walked to the ring with me so um but you know it is what it is Congratulations to that guy for doing that. And hopefully uh, he's successful in this. Uh, well, I don't want to say hopefully. I think he's fighting Dave Alley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's not yeah, successful. Yeah, so I don't, I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily hoping for him to be successful in this one. But, uh, yeah, you know, good luck on the rest of his career after this fight. You know, hopefully uh, he'll have some success after this fight. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Nascimento has had a strange old career, obviously got knocked out by Joseph Parker, then lost on points to you, then got knocked out by Dillian White, then got knocked out by Carlos Takam, then went the distance with Sergei Kuzmin, then went the distance with Derek Chisora, then went the distance with Johan Duhalpas, then went the distance with Marius Wack. You know, so he went the distance with a lot of good fighters, but then, you know, at this point in his career, I think he's been knocked out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in a row now. So, yeah, you're right. I think he's certainly at the end of it. Um, this one takes place at the Porsche Arena in Stuttgart, Germany. This one's on Saturday. Former world champion Felix Sturm, I believe, coming off a loss, 42 and 6 with three draws these days. He gets in with Sukru Aute, who's 15 and 2. Moving out now to the big one. So it takes place at the Nottingham Arena in Nottingham, Nottinghamshire, United Kingdom. It's going to be live on the zone. Um, let's start with the let's start with the main event because we always seem to start with the undercard. Main event: Lee Wood, twenty-six and two, coming off that excellent win last time out against Michael Conlon. Um, yeah, was was obviously fight of the year or whatever for 2022. That fight there, an amazing, amazing fight that we all gave massive credit. Um, he gets in, though, with a bit of a wrecking machine. Maurizio Lara of Mexico, known for coming over here and obviously, um, you know, battering um, Josh Warrington. Came back against Josh Warrington in the rematch. There was a, there was a cut which, which ended it early, a technical draw. Since then, um, Lara went back to the US, beat Emilio Sanchez and then beat Jose San Martin in Mexico. Good fighters there again. He gets in with Lee Wood. Now, on paper, if this was Lee Wood before he become a world champion, this would have been no contest at all. This would have been, you know, Lara would have wiped him out in a round in most people's minds. But Lee Wood, since becoming a champion, and I think since being with Ben Davison, who I'm not entirely sure he's still with, he seems to have elevated his game. And um, I will say that... 
uh, he has he, he does have a chance in the fight, I think. I mean, I, I think Lara wins. I've always thought Lara wins. I've always thought Lara just goes through him like a hot knife through butter. But I, I, I think, you know, Lee Wood, like I say, has improved a lot. I believe I believe he'll be the bigger man on the night. I'm sure he'll be the bigger man on the night, really. Uh, they're both listed at the same height, but Lee Wood appears to me to be big for the weight, really, at featherweight. Um, obviously, the experience, he's 10 years um, Lara's senior, which is quite surprising to learn. I didn't know Lara's only 24. Um, I, I, I'm not Basically, what I'm trying to get at is, I think Lara wins. I don't know if he knocks him out early, though, like I maybe did. Um, you know, when the fight was first made, I thought this is just, this is a destruction at home for Lee Wood. He's going to lose this one quickly. It's going to be painful. It's going to be quick. But actually, I'm not entirely sure it's going to be so quick. And he does have a chance. You know, he does have a chance. Um, he's got a puncher's chance. He showed in his last fight, a fight that he was losing, that he was able to turn things around with one punch. I think his power has, has you know, seemingly improved. So he does have a big chance in terms of his punch. But other than that, I think Lara does have the potential to swarm him. He's got that all-Mexican style of just coming forward and um yeah i don't know if lee wood's gonna have anything to truly bother him um so yeah i think lara will overwhelm him um but maybe not as quick as i first thought but definitely lara to win and i'd say definitely for the ko um on the undercard we're gonna see dalton smith 13 and oh get in with billy allington who's 10 and 1 with four draws i don't think billy allington's an awful fighter but you know, Dalton Smith, I think he's on another level. It's for the British super lightweight title defense there for Dalton Smith. But Billy Allington just isn't a puncher at all. And he doesn't have much power. And I don't think he's going to be able to get the respect of Dalton Smith. So I think Dalton Smith will probably be able to walk him down, put the pressure on him, and probably get him out of there somewhere around the mid-rounds. Um, Gary Cully as well. This is an interesting one. 15-0. and 0. There's massive hype around Gary Cully at the minute, you know. Um... He's been impressing every single fight. Um, obviously an Irish fighter. And he gets in here with an undefeated, unknown quantity again from South America. Wilfredo Flores, 10-0 with one draw. Um, he fights here for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Lightweight title. Now, I'm expecting Gary Cully to win. But again, there's just a bit of a question mark of who Wilfredo Flores is. What can he bring to the table? I, I, you know, this is a fight where I wouldn't be too comfortable picking whether it's going to be a points win or a knockout win for Gary Cully. But Gary Cully's on a run, man. Honestly, he's been he's been ticking some boxes, getting guys out of there in great fashion. So obviously you side with him, but I don't know if it's going to be an easy fight or a hard fight for him. I guess we're going to have to wait till Saturday to see. Um, Gamal Yafai, 19 and two, gets in with Diego Alberto Ruiz, who's 23 and six with a draw. This is a good fight as well. It's a bit of a um it's kind of one of those fights that kind of gets gets me going gets me excited when other people would probably not really care about it. it's a 10 round fight but the reason why i find it quite interesting is because gamal yafai returns to the ring um after almost a year out and he came back in his comeback fight after losing to jason cunningham only against sean kearns you know beat him easy stopped him gets in with diego alberto ruiz who like we say from argentina tough guy only been stopped once in those six losses and that one was to michael conlon went the distance with lee mcgregor in a in a in a, in a, in a draw uh obviously uh 10 10 round draw on, on points there um 
Lee McGregor is a big puncher. So, you know what I'm saying? This guy went the distance with him and did enough to win half the rounds, really, in the mind of the referee who scored the contest as well. So, what I'm saying here, really, is I think this is a distance fight. I think Gamal Yafai to win on points is a quite a smart bet, really. Um... Yeah, I mean, this guy is he's a survivor, really. Gone the distance in, in four of his last fights, which has been loss, loss, draw, loss. He's gone 10 rounds, 10 rounds, 10 rounds, 12 rounds, you know? And one of those was a draw, like I say. One of them was a majority decision loss. This guy is pretty much as tough as they come. Gamal Yafai, I don't think, is really much of a puncher when he steps up to that kind of... I don't know what kind of level I'm talking about, but when he steps above domestic level, I don't think he's a puncher at all. Um, obviously, this guy did get stopped by Michael Conlon. I can't really remember that fight. It was about two and a bit years ago, maybe three and a bit years ago. Whatever. But yeah, I think that goes the distance. Um, but I like the fight. It's a, it's just a weird fight that I, I kind of like for some reason. Um, elsewhere on the card, Kieran Conway gets a nice little... Um, I was going to say kind of gimme fight, but I'm not entirely sure it will be a gimme fight. He's coming off a loss to Amo Williams, Kieran Conway. 18-3 and three with a draw going in over eight rounds at super middle against Jorge Silva. 27 and, sorry, 21-7. and seven. I believe he's from Portugal. I actually think that Conway could, could possibly get a stoppage win here. I think he's only got about three or four KOs in his 18 wins, but he could potentially stop this guy, I believe. Um... Eight rounds, I don't know, but he'll win, he'll win, obviously, he's a tough guy, Kieran Conway, who again hasn't had much luck, hasn't hasn't um, really been put in a fight, he's expected to win, you know, when, whenever he's stepped up, they've kind of thrown him to the wolves a bit, and he's a tough, tough guy, um, deserves a nice opportunity, um, elsewhere on the card, we're going to see Sam Maxwell, another good fight this one, Sam Maxwell, 16-1 and one in, six, in a six-round contest at Super Lightweight against Sean Cooper, who's 13-4, and four. And then elsewhere on the card as well, Siobhan Clark, 4-0 with four KOs, gets in with Israel Dufus, who is 20-8. Doesn't say how many rounds the fight is going to be, but I don't think it's going to go the distance. Siobhan Clark, obviously a big puncher, 100% KO streak running, very confident at the moment. And his opponent here, um, I think he's got about 17 KOs in his 20 wins and only been stopped four times in his eight losses. So, you know, someone's going to be going to sleep. It more than likely be Doofus. Like I say, depends how many rounds it is, really, and I don't know how many rounds it is. Uh, moving out now to the Platinum Suite at Bramall Lane Football Ground, Sheffield, Yorkshire over here. Friend of the show, friend of yours, Eddie, David Allen. Um, 20 and 5 with two draws these days. No opponent just yet for him, but he's in a four rounder here, Dave Allen Eddie. So um best of luck to him. I mean all the best to him. I think he'll I think he'll do well. I mean it's a four rounder. It should be something something he can handle. You know what I mean? At this point coming back. First fight back. So yeah, hopefully uh he's doing well and gets back to high uh, hopefully I guess to a high level. I know he's a little older but maybe a little wiser, you know what I mean? So we'll see, and, and obviously more skilled and, and, and understand a little bit more about, you know, not wanting to take punishment unnecessarily. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, looking forward to see what he does. Hopefully he does real well and uh, comes back on a winning note, obviously, I think. So I think that's going to happen. So, uh, But then after that, to continue that going into, uh, you know, the future. Yeah, all the best there to Dave Allen. Moving out now to the Cow Palace in Daly City, or Daly City, California, USA over here. Um, 
it's it's just a small card, really. I'm not even sure if it's if it's going to be shown on TV. But a couple names on there to mention: Evan Holyfield, nine and one in a six rounder against Terence Jarmon, who is three and two. We're also going to see Andy Vences as well, who can be quite exciting. Um, he gets in his record at the moment, by the way, twenty three and four with a draw. He gets in with Christian Ruben Mino, who's twenty three and seven with two draws, and. Um, Ronald Gavril as well, 22 and 3. The reason the reason I'm mentioning him is because I guess he is the only man to have put David Benavidez on the deck um, in the pros. Um, yeah, 22 and 3 gets in with Kanel Wheeler, who is 7 and 2 over eight rounds there for the WBC Continental America's light heavyweight title, which is, like I say, vacant. Um, Evan Holyfield, I'm wondering if he actually ever fought the guy that beat him again I don't think he has I know it was scheduled at one point he was going to be getting that rematch on with Jermaine McDonald but for whatever reason it didn't happen he hasn't fought since then either Evan Holyfield so he's coming back after his after his knockout loss last time out in May of 2022 but all the best to him though on the comeback trail and then moving now to the final card to mention it takes place at the Fox Theater Pomona in Pomona California USA over here it's going to be live on DAZN again Saturday night um it's a yeah it's a golden boy show on the undercard Eddie I'm going to come to you Shane Mosley Jr 18 and 4 in a 10 rounder against Mario Alberto Lozano 33 and 10 I don't know tons about Lozano at all but Shane Mosley Jr a man that we've spoke about many times on the podcast we quite enjoy watching him because I think his progression has actually been clear to see. He's got a hell of a lot better than he was. And um, I think this will be his first fight since beating Gabe Rosado, a fight where, you know, he looked really, really, really good and very, very improved. And yeah, I'm right. He, he hasn't fought since that since that win against Gabe Rosado 10 months ago. It'd be good to see Shane Mosley Jr. again. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, looking forward to seeing his improvement, you know what I mean? Uh, the fight with Gabe, which as much as, you know, you know, you, you like Shane, and, you know, Gabe's closer to where, from where I am, and, and I've had a relationship with him, so it's kind of a good thing, you know, it would be a good thing to see him win. But now that Shane has done his thing, and, and he's, he's so very much improved his boxing ability, well, I can't say ability, boxing skills, and, uh, you know, it, it's just something uh, I want to I see what happens. I don't really know a lot about his opponent, but there is excitement with seeing him in general. You know, he's like, he's had the fight. What's the kid's name that he fought? Uh, they were both kind of like, um, I don't know, they both had a couple losses. Uh, I think you guys Quigley? from the UK. Yes, Jason Quigley. Irish guy. Yeah, friend of the show. Irish, my fault. Yeah, and, he, and he, that was a hell of a fight. I mean, those guys, see, it's, it's the guys like that who I would think like B, B level to B plus level guys coming up, man, it can make some really, really exciting fights. I still have a good enough a good enough skill level to uh, make it uh, also skillful as in, as well as interesting and exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and you know, I'm, I'm one of the biggest fans of especially when I was young of Shane Mosley, his father coming up. So I was like, man, a huge Mosley guy. So to see his son out here, and, and once again, it's something nice to see. I mean, he's not obviously not the fighter his father was. No disrespect to him, but, um, you know, and he hasn't got to, to that level, that world championship level. But he's still a very exciting young fighter to watch. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, he's, he does well in this fight and continues and hopefully does get to that title level like his pops did. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to it. And, uh yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the only thing to say about his opponent, Shane Mosley Jr.'s opponent, is that in his last fight, which, by the way, 
um, was three and a half years ago. That's the last time this guy boxed. He got in with Liam Smith, and Liam Smith stopped him in seven rounds. Um, the only other real, I guess, notable fight he had... He had a few decent fights against decent guys, but the other real standout name was he went the distance over 10 rounds back in 2014 to Jamel Charlo. So, um, yeah, that's his that's his two kind of main main um, fights. Been in there as well with Patrick Texera, um, Canelo's brother as well, um, Ramon Alvarez, Vainez Martirosian as well, Charles Hatley, few contenders, stuff like that. But, yeah, 33 and 10, 24 KOs, 2 KO losses, but hasn't been seen in a ring for um, almost three and a half years now. So all the best there to Shane Mosley Jr. And then finally, the final fight to mention, it is the main event. Luis Neri of Mexico, 33-1 and one in a 12-rounder here against Azat Hovanesian, who's 21-3. and three. Now, my pick for this fight is for Luis Neri to win on points, really. Um, which I think is quite decent money, if I'm not mistaken. I, I just, yeah, I think he's going to win. Um, obviously lost to a uh, friend of the show, the heartbreaker, Brandon Figueroa, um, you know, in his only loss, Luis Neri. But since then, he's come back since losing to Figueroa against two good guys. David Carmona, Carlos Castro beat both of those guys. Hovanesian's a tough, durable guy as well. Um, you know, obviously with Aegis Klimas, his manager, who wouldn't take on any kind of person. Um, and yeah, I should mention as well, Hovanesian's last loss came to Ray Vargas again almost five years ago. He's on a decent run himself. He's been knocking out most guys. Um, I think he's knocked out six of his last of his last seven so it's it's going to be a good fight i think here and it could perhaps be fight of the weekend we'll have to wait and see see how good wood and lara's fight is but this could actually steal it i think this is going to be really quite action-packed between <laughs> an armenian fighter based in california against luis neri obviously uh, of mexico um yeah i think it's going to be interesting i'm definitely going to be tuned into that one like i say it is on the zone on saturday night slash sunday early morning hours for us over here in the uk it's a golden boy show but anyway that is it for the preview part of the show in part one we did the review part then we welcomed our special guest in part two we did the news part then we did the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 383 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to this week's special guest, the undefeated number one ranked super featherweight contender, Mr. Archie Sharp. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Remember to visit manscaped.com and use the promo code BOXHARD for 20% off plus free shipping on all Manscaped products, by the way. But that's about every from myself though remember if you do get a spare minute or two please leave us a review on itunes enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week